Hey guys, welcome back to Celebrate the Struggle. I am here with Dylan Sessler today. Hey Dylan, what's up? Morning. How are you, Jennifer? I am swell. I really did want to make a beeline and come home and relax instead of the gym, but I totally did it. I totally did it. I turned and I went the correct way. So I might have my gym hair on, but at least I made it to the gym. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Right. So Dylan here is the author of Defy the Darkness. He is also a mental health coach and he has his own podcast called The Dylan Experience. So before I dive in and I ask you some more about that, which you might end up mentioning in your intro here, can you just tell my listeners and those watching like a little bit about Dylan, like maybe where you come from and like a little bit about your journey in life and what it's how it's brought you to this point? Well, I could, you know, obviously I could write a whole book about that story, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and make it real, real short for you. Um, I grew up in Southern Wisconsin, um, kind of always lived there. I lived in Green Bay for a little bit, but um, grew up in a, I, I would say lower to middle-class uh, family where my father was an alcoholic Um had a drug issue, had a, a depression, severe depression issue. Um, and ultimately that came to a point in 1996 where he committed suicide when I was six years old. Um, and then from that point on, life kind of became chaos. Um, you know, struggled a lot with, with a lot of different things, uh, just trying to overcome that grief, the, the guilt that, that is involved with suicide at, at dealing with that at such a young age. Uh, regret, shame, all of the things that that are are not logical for a child to deal with, but are often misunderstood by parents and misunderstood by the adults around them. And so I dealt with those things and I dealt with an overwhelming silence throughout my life because of that moment and how I felt with it. And I was abused by the next man in my life, unknowingly by my mom. She she had no idea. It was it was physical, uh, physical discipline you know, to a, a, an overwhelming order. Um, and then I was bullied in high school. And ultimately that, all of that kind of led me to, to choose the military in, in around 17, 18 years old. Um, what I told people was for 9-11 for, you know, because I wanted to serve my country, mm -hmm. but the reality was I wanted, I wanted to die um, because I didn't want to, I didn't know how to, go against the rules that I set for myself back when my dad died. I, I told myself I would never kill myself. I would never be like him. And so instead I chose a different route, which is remarkably, remarkably common, right? People choose eating disorders. People choose uh, substance abuse. People choose uh, death by death by cop, death by many other things um, because they won't choose suicide itself. And in many ways, that's its own suicide. Um, and so I joined the military, uh, volunteered for deployment until I went to Afghanistan in 2020 or 2012, uh, learned a lot about life and death in Afghanistan. That first, that first tour, uh, came home with, with PTSD, wouldn't have, wouldn't have told you that back then, uh, didn't even understand it back then. But when, you know, when I came home, I tore my ACL and they sent me directly back to Fort Knox after about a week. Um, so I was on active duty leave when I tore my ACL and then I was at Fort Knox for about seven months. And in that time, learned a whole lot about PTSD, learned a whole lot about 
myself, uh, learned a whole lot about my, my own habits of things like sleeping. I only slept for about an hour a day, uh, both during my deployment and after. Um, so I had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to, to feel, learn about myself. Um, and I wasn't learning comfortable things about myself. Uh, and so realistically, it, it made things a lot worse. And when I came home, I was just remarkably silent about it uh, up until about 2015 when I almost killed myself. Um, and so many things kind of culminated into that moment of finally realizing that nothing else was going to kill me. So I may as well do it myself. And I came out of that moment with a, a massive perspective change in, in asking the simple question of why did I get here? You know, how did, how did I make all of these choices and end up in this position right here, the same position that my father ended up in um, and having to really address the question that I had never even thought about asking myself. I would always ask, you know, why would my, why did my father commit suicide? But I never even thought about throughout the years, the 19 years it went from uh, my father committing suicide to me, I never thought about asking myself how how did I get here, you know, and, and why? Um, and from that point on, uh, I dug into that question and it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy, but it obviously led me to this point right here where I'm, I'm able to um, do things that I had never done in 19 years. And that's things like talk about suicide, even openly, right? I, you know, it, I, I would never say anything more than my dad committed suicide when I was six years old. I would never talk about the feelings. I would never talk about the emotions. God forbid I would even feel them. Um, whereas now, I, I mean, I, my platform is built upon me expressing myself and talking about these things. And, you know, my book is about the, the intricacies of the feelings that I, that I went through and talking about these conversations that I was never willing to have back then because nobody was willing to have them. Right. So I hope, I hope that's a shortened version of my story, right? Like obviously there's, there's a lot that's happened in the last three or four years. I, I went to Afghanistan in 2019, came home and started TikTok, And now here I am with a half a million followers, a podcast, a book, and I'm talking to you. So are you on TikTok as Dylan Sessler? Yep. Dylan underscore Sessler. Gotcha. More stalking in my future. <laughs> uh, speaking of stalking, though, like as I was going to um, your Facebook and reading some of the powerful things that you had wrote on there, um, like you are the only person who will be there for yourself 100% of the time. Is that a quote from your book or just something you quoted? It's, it's before my book. Gotcha. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's in my book now, but it's something that, that I, I think I had to learn because throughout my life, I was always looking for someone to come up to me and say, you know, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that nobody really knows what's on your mind until you tell them. Absolutely. Right? And, and what that, what that really meant for me, and, and it's going to mean something different for, for everybody else. But what it meant for me is that I needed to master words. 
because all of the experiences I went through, I did not, I, I didn't know how to verbalize. I didn't even know how to write. Um, and so that's where like my book, the idea for my book really came from. It's because my, my most expressive form is writing and, you know, understanding how to express what I have gone through became the ultimate goal in 2015 because I had never done it before. And so I started writing back then. Um, and that's where, that's where the idea of my book really kind of became a reality. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, identifying that for myself, that, that I'm the one that's going to change things like I getting out of the space of blaming stuff or like throwing yourself a pity party. That's something that I have definitely fortunately gone through. I do know, you know, obviously there's other people that have not identified that yet. And, and I hope that with celebrate the struggle and, uh, and then, you know, the Dylan experience that having those spaces of, of safety, the, to talk about the things that people tiptoe around and don't want to talk about. I hope that that will help other people and, and help them to identify that your life is going to be based on how you respond to things and how you deal with it. So when, as I was reading through some of the things that you had wrote, and I, I guess I'm just sitting here left in awe of, of your story. Like, you know, as I, it, it makes sense though, as I'm reading on your Facebook, you know, uh, fight your battles alone or supported, it doesn't matter. It's just that if you don't fight them, like it's going to bring negative outcomes. Like I am flabbergasted to get on here and hear um, where that comes from in your life, you know, like your story it's um quite a story of of triumphing through the struggle and whatever triumph looks like to people but being able to master your words like that is a profound statement and i think that's really important for a, a lot of us to be able to um figure that out you know one i feel like for the longest time a lot of things that I would hear even prior to, um, well, maybe being a veteran myself, but people would always say, you know, about our Vietnam vets or uh, World War II veterans, Korean vets, they'd be, be like, you know, he just never talks about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. And really, I think it's not exactly the case, I think, because, you know, until you are ready to listen and uh, be there to just listen, you really have no idea what people want to say. So you I said, oh, sorry, think, go ahead. I, I think it's it's more, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think people really understand how to express themselves. And so when people say he's not ready to talk about it, or I don't want to talk about it, it's not the right answer. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to express this. And, you know, in, in a lot of my work and, you know, talking about the mental health coaching side of things, like the depth of any conversation is really determined by the safety of that expression. And if, if you don't feel safe with, with exposing something and not feeling judged, um, or if you feel judged, you're not going to say it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in, 
you know, in the, in the discussion about veterans, right. What I've, what I've learned is veterans like to talk to veterans for the reason of there's a safety in language, right? There's, we all have really similar language, right? Maybe Navy veterans and army veterans don't really understand because it's completely different language. But what I know army veteran and army veteran or army veteran, Marine veteran, we have a really similar language in terms of like infantry, like I'm infantry. So I know, I know the infantry language. And then I also know the PTSD language. I know the trauma language. I know the war language because I've been there a couple of times and having that, having that experience creates a sense of safety with a lot of people. And so being able to kind of bridge that gap between the language of what is misunderstood to what I understand allows me to create safety where there is none with this person, right? They've never had this kind of safety. And so oftentimes it's, if we want to help veterans, it has to be more about showing them and showcasing this understanding that I can translate for you, but you have to have the courage to say all the things you don't really, you don't really know how to say right? and get it wrong. And then try to, with me, get it right. Yes. Have you, so this is a more of a personal question that I'm veering from the questions, but this is what I like. I like conversations. So as you've um, continued on your own post-traumatic growth process and connecting with other veterans, I'm sure you've come across uh, other veterans who like aren't at the place yet where they're able to identify like that you are hundred percent in charge of your life. And that's where um, like the uncomfortable conversations can start to happen. Can you um, say anything on that? Like for anybody that's listening to this or watching this, if they are in the same position, like maybe they're not a veteran, maybe they're the mother of a veteran, the sibling, Um, what advice would you give to someone if they feel, if they have someone in their life, someone from trauma or a veteran from a, from trauma, like what advice would you give them on being able to make a difference and help someone who's in that place, um, blaming everything around them and pretty much not taking any accountability? It's a tough question. You can't save everybody stop trying. Right. But Mm -hmm. the idea isn't to necessarily disregard that person altogether. It's to stop trying to make them listen to you. Yeah. And, and to show them that you're willing to be there if you're able. Yes. And, and what I, what I think, you know, because I was ignorant for so long about this and ignorance is so pervasive in, in our culture because, you know, we've been having this conversation about PTSD for the last 20 years. People are still dealing with it. People are still unable to say, I have PTSD, mm-hmm. right? I've been through trauma. People are unable to say it, even though we've been having the conversation. So ignorance is pervasive. It's real. And you can't tell people what's best for them. People know that, right? Like I know what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me because I know 100% of my story. This is why that, that, that quote that you said, you know, I'm the only one that knows how to be there for myself. 100% of my life is because I know what I've been through 
And so all we can do is help, help them explain to us what is best for them. Mm-hmm. And so if there's one piece of advice, it's listen. It's like, I'm not I here agree. to, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm literally just here to listen. Even if you don't think I understand, I still want to listen to you. And I'm I, like, if there's anything you can do, just shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, I completely agree. Don't, don't give your opinion. Don't give your thoughts, right? Even if you know this person is, is thinking in a direction that is wrong and blaming someone or doing something uh, that's, that's not necessarily healthy. Because when you, when you step into the problem, your goal isn't to solve the problem. It's to be able to expose the full gravity and the full depth of the problem. And if you just scratch the surface and try and solve the surface problem, well, you've got a nuclear warhead 800 feet below the surface that you haven't even touched yet. And if you solve the wrong problem in the wrong order, then that, that warhead's never going to be exposed. You're never going to be able to disarm it. That's, mm-hmm. that's really what, you know, when we, when we talk about veterans, that's what I think the challenge is, is that we try and solve the surface problems like substance abuse um, or uh, domestic violence, right? Aggression, mm-hmm. anger, right? We try and solve those surface level problems and the real problems, trauma. Yes, that it is. So for people who want to, check out the Dylan experience. Is it conversations like these that you tend to, yep. Just the real life stuff that's happening. Yeah. And it's, it's not, um, it's not only veteran focused. I like to bring on, um, anybody and everybody. I've I've talked to veterans. I've, I've had, uh, I've had life coaches. I've had, um, God, I don't even know. Um, I've had a lot of people on right now. Um, I've had about I, I haven't released them yet, but I have 30 episodes uh, recorded right now. I have about 20, 25 episodes uh, posted. So Yeah. Well, good for you. I also don't want to necessarily focus on only veterans because, I mean, this is life, right? Like, whether you have a title of a veteran or a family member of a veteran, we all struggle and um, and some of us go through trauma. So. I look forward to checking that out. So I want to go back to defy the darkness. I want to know um, what, so was it after you mastered your words? I think I caught you say that, um, that it was after you mastering your words and figuring out how to get that out. Was that when you were like, I'm going to put this down on paper? I think I think the process of writing a book is what taught me how to, how to do that. Yeah. So I, I started, I started the book, I think in like 2016, when I started doing more research um, on things like trauma and things like uh, things like the body. Um, But I didn't get into what I think I really needed to. And so I put it down for a while. I didn't touch it. You know, I didn't touch it over my deployment. I didn't touch it over 2018, uh, pretty much to 2020. I came home from Afghanistan, December of 2019. And I was like, I want to do something, right? I I don't want to, I don't want to be a firearms instructor my whole life. Um, I want to do something of greater value to society. And so I, I started picking up the book again, I started planning out like, what am I going to do? And and one of those things led me to TikTok. Um, You know, I, I follow Gary V for 
for a long time. And, you know, he was talking pretty, pretty extensively about uh, TikTok. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'll try it. Right. And keep in mind, I've always been a very introverted person. I don't like being on camera, but I was like, you know what, if I want to send this message, I've got to be willing to step outside my comfort zone. And I did. And within the first month, I think I had 10,000 followers within the first two months, I had 30,000 within the first six months, I had 100,000. And then within like nine months, I had 300,000 followers. Wow. And then now I'm obviously sitting with just under 600,000 followers. And it's like, I, I, I've just been talking about mental health, suicide, wow. trauma, um, having these harder conversations with people. Um, and through TikTok, I was able to understand not only my perspective, but the perspective of others and be able to look at what people actually needed to hear within my work of Defy the Darkness and be able to write with a, with a certain amount of clarity, um, not only what I wanted to write, but what other people needed to hear. Right. And so in, in many ways, the feedback that I got from other people was how I was able to master my words and, and be able to clarify and identify what people actually need to hear in my story. Um, and, and, what's important for me to expose and what's maybe not. Um, and so I learned a valuable lesson from TikTok is that people are very much a part of how you express yourself um, and a necessary function of all of that. Uh, and that's, that's where I really learned how to write that book. And it's, it's had a lot of, uh, a lot of great feedback um, and I, I've learned a lot from it and there's, there's more coming, right. I'm working on my second yeah. book right now. Me too. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that. That's really inspiring. I feel like I, uh, you know, in writing my second book, my first book, uh, is a dual memoir calmed growth after trauma. Actually, it's right here. I was just digging through it. Yeah. Um, it's a dual memoir focusing on like my husband and I's perspectives of meeting in the army, but, and then the deployment and all that. Uh, but my second book, what I really, really, really want to do is I want to show the world, the readers, like what combat looks like on the home front from all these other perspectives, the parents, the siblings, the children, the friends, maybe the employer. And in my head, like, you know, I want to put out an amazing book that shows people that. And I've been sitting there thinking, I, I have sent it out in my newsletter asking people like to give me ideas, like as, as I'm doing, re you know, I got books over here of research, but talking to people is more research qualitative as well. So I like the idea of TikTok. Like I've tried to post on my Facebook and stuff and get some feedback on what people would want to hear from the home front. So I think you have inspired me. Um, maybe I will try that out. Maybe people will be more likely to give me their feedback. That way I could best show the, the, the war on the home front from all those different perspectives. So Check that you're an inspiration. It's, it's really incredible how, you know, everyone that I've had on here, they have clearly taken their struggles and used them 
for their strength. And I mean, just listening to your story, it's pretty phenomenal to go from not wanting to live, wanting to take your own life, and then having this turning point of why did I get, how did I get here? And being that like in touch with yourself to make that kind of growth. Like I'm proud of you battle. Very proud of you. Okay. So one more, a couple more things. So as a mental health coach, um, you know, people can plug into your TikTok for that advice, those words of encouragement, um, that understanding to continue learning and tapping into their own mental health and, and being more aware of it of other people's and your podcast and then following you on social media. If they wanted more from Dylan and wanted to have more of a intimate health, mental health coaching, do how would they reach out to you and we'll so put it all in the show notes too sure so there's a on my website there's a coaching tab and you can you can literally schedule a, a free consultation so i you, you know you give me 30 minutes of your time and we'll determine together whether this is a good fit for you um otherwise you can schedule a, a session right away if you just you know hear what i'm saying you like what i like what i do and just go straight into it um yeah, it's all on my it's all on my website, DylanSessler.com. Um, pretty straightforward. Right on. Okay, so one of the things I always ask everyone, and um, you know, giving back to other people through that service and and really just diving deep into those topics of mental health, like although it's something that you and I are clearly both passionate about. You also have to, you know, focus on yourself and keep yourself maintaining a good, healthy mindset. So for, for your own self-care, Dylan, what are some things that you know you benefit from and you try to keep it a part of your hope, you know, preferably daily life. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's a weekly thing. What kind of things do you do for yourself to stay in the right mindset and give Dylan the time he needs? breathing 100 percent breathing it's uh your your body functions off of uh off of the air it receives and mm-hmm. if you don't give it enough air it, it doesn't it's not comfortable right breath is so, life yeah uh, it's it's a practice i kind of started in 2020 um when i was i was running a COVID team for the national guard and i'm still i'm still in if you if you weren't aware i'm still i'm a 14 oh, year 14 year veteran wisconsin national guard um and uh, yeah, I was running a COVID team and I had to, I had to learn how to manage my stress because it was a, it was a nightmare in 2020, obviously, and trying to, to run that and do things that were outside of our scope was, was pretty consistent. So we had to figure out a way to, to live with ourselves. Breathing was mine. Uh, breathing, there, there are times where I'll, I'll sit down and do, uh, you know, it's, I, if you want to call it meditation, call it meditation, I just breathe. Right. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll sit there in silence and I'll focus on, you know, managing my, my breath, uh, my breath work through my diaphragm and, and yeah. focus on the muscle groups that are actually controlling my breathing rather than the breath itself. And I, and it distracts you from all other problems while also giving you air, which is phenomenal. Earlier, you mentioned in your research, like you researched, I think, uh, PTSD or trauma on the the physical 
body. Is that something that like you read about there? Yep. Yeah. So like if you, if you look at the heart, right, the heart is, is an organ that has 5,000 times more electromagnetic energy than any other organ in the human body. That comes from a book called Coherence by Alan Watkins. It's a neuroscientist. Um, and what that means is that if, if you don't control the heart, because the heart is, uh, uh, it's like a pendulum, it times everything in your, in your life. Uh, if you don't control your heart, your heart creates hormones like cortisol, which are stress, right? And, and that coursing through your body is just a bad thing, right? There's, there's many different problems that comes with that. And what, what PTSD does, right? What trauma does is it creates a an internal bodily reaction that is uncontrollable by the, the neocortex, right? Logic. Um, and that response is it, the first few things, right? Increased heart rate, increased breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but all of your blood goes to elsewhere rather than things like your heart, things like your brain. It goes to the extremities where you're, you're trying to defend yourself, right? Or run or escape, you know, all of those things. And what I've learned in that is that when you start to learn how to maintain control of your triggers, right? Not necessarily eliminating them, but right. bringing them, bringing them down and down and down and uh, it decreasing the reaction time, PTSD starts to functionally manage itself, right? You start to return to somewhat normal where when you hear something, you you understand that it's not a threat, right? When you, when, you know, if you have always reacted to large, you know, large sounds or loud sounds, um, if your, your first reaction time is you're elevated for an hour, right? Your goal isn't to eliminate that hour. It's to bring it down to 54 minutes to 38 minutes to 20 minutes to 12 minutes to five minutes, two minutes to, to 20 seconds, right? To where, you are, your goal is not to eliminate that trigger altogether, which is an unrealistic goal because the human body gets triggered for specific reasons. It's to understand how to look at that situation and say, I, I need to calm my body before I can logically make a, make sense of what just happened. Mm-hmm. And people I think have it backwards as they try to logically think when the amygdala literally cuts off your neocortex and you can't logically think. It's, it's impossible, right? And so if, you're, if you bring down your elevation, your, your heart rate, your, your, your amygdala actually reconnects to your neocortex, and then you can logically think. And so interesting. The, the science behind it shows you that when you breathe, when you focus on bringing your heart rate down, if you've ever done a stress, stress shoot in the military, you do that, breathe, bring it down, control yourself, Make sure you're logically thinking and then look at the situation and understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. I'm glad, I'm glad I asked that. And I'm going to go back and check into that book as I continue doing my own research. So this is clearly you are, I would describe it as like, really accomplished like you said you're 14 years in so I'm guessing like you are much younger than me um but 
you still have like this lifetime ahead of you and you're doing so much already. So, but I want to know, like, what, what do we expect to see out of Dylan? What are your like hopes and dreams and goals? And if you, there's just no limitations and you just did whatever you wanted. Clearly you uh, said a second book you're working on. Yeah, I, I have, I have ideas for five to six books at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's been, it's been kind of hard to narrow that down to which one I want to start with first. I think I have a good idea. I think that's where I'm going. Um, a lot of things, right. I, I want to build the podcast. I want to, I want to develop a, a way to have conversations with more than one person, right. And bring in more people and have conversations that are, yeah. that are worthwhile and controversial in some regards, but respectful. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit here and argue with people. I want to have a debate where right. we, we come to a conclusion uh, and, and it's worthwhile, right? Like people listen to it and understand like this perspective exists while this perspective exists and they're both worthwhile. Mm-hmm. They may be right in their own ways in different ways, but wrong to each, you know, different party. And, and, and it's all about how we can connect that. Um, so something like that is going to, I think, exist in my future. Uh, public speaking, professional speaking is, is on the, is on the order. Um, I'm going to be a father in June. Uh, I'm a stepdad right now. I'm going to be a father in June. And that is just something that is so profoundly, I, I, I felt was impossible for most of my life, having gone through everything I'd been through. Right. I think I'd lived to 30. Now I'm 32 and I'm about to have a baby with a, you know, a, a beautiful wife and a, and a, an amazing, amazing relationship that I've been able to build um, a lot for a long time felt really impossible. And now, you know, I'm going to really enjoy that. Oh, I bet my eyeballs are sweating. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. Well, we look forward to seeing more out of you out of you. And I look forward to checking out your podcast and your book. Are you self-published or did you go through a publisher? Yeah. Self-published through uh, Amazon. Right on. Well, keep up the good work. Thank you for your service to our country, but also your continued service to people and to life and to yourself. You're going to be a great dad. You just keep killing it. Just keep killing it. I look forward to staying in touch and thanks for coming on to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Appreciate it.